So I walked in and I said, hey, all right, you've got this huge shelf full of different Roussillon wines. You know who sells abroad and who doesn't. I want one bottle each from 12 different growers that are not sold in the United States. Best ones you think you got. Hello, wine fans. Welcome back to Grape Unfined Unfiltered. John here. In today's episode, we continue our chat with Dan Kravitz of Handpicked Selections. In this installment, Dan will tell us about one of his favorite producers, Jeff Carell, and about how he came to work with Domaine Deledre. We'll finish off with something about a donkey. Alrighty, off we go. Here's a question for you. So I've seen, um, I've seen in the market here some wines from uh, this guy, Jeff Carroll. Is that the actor? Carroll. No. That's Jim Carroll, I believe. And I don't even watch movies. But no, <laughs> this is Jeff Carroll. He's a character, but he's not an actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's the only winemaker, as opposed to wine grower or cooperative, that I do business with. And I said that I you know, first got tipped to visit uh, Languedoc Roussillon by a Bordeaux broker. Mm-hmm. He was the winemaker for that Bordeaux broker at the time. And when the Bordeaux broker set up an operation in Languedoc, Jeff moved to Languedoc and uh, took over. He's a super nice guy. He's an absolutely brilliant winemaker. And he's a good guy and a funny guy to boot. Very odd background for uh, a winemaker. He was born and raised in Montmartre, the Paris neighborhood. And his father and grandfather were both real estate lawyers. In the United States, we distinguish between civil and criminal law. In France, they distinguish between contested and uncontested. If you're charged with murder one, or you're feuding with your neighbor over where the borderline is, you get an avocat, an advocate. If you are drawing up, if you want to sell a car or a 70-store supermarket chain and you have an agreement with somebody, you get a notaire, which sounds like notary, but no, it's an actual attorney with a four-year law degree following university, Hmm. and they're called notaires. And His father and grandfather were both notaires in Montmartre dealing in real estate transactions, and uh, that's what he was supposed to be. And he uh, graduated from the uh, Sorbonne, was accepted into the law school for notaires, the Sorbonne Law School. Without telling anybody in his family, he applied to the uh, Montpellier Wine School, got accepted, came home one day and said, somebody else is walking up those two flights to the office. (laughs) I'm going south. I'm going to make wine for a living. Wow. When was this? His his family got over it just fine. He did have a younger brother who took over the thing. So that that all worked out well. And he graduated at or near the top of his class at Montpellier. And while he was there, he decided that his uh, career was going to be cool climate wine in Languedoc and Roussillon. And then to prepare for that, he spent a year in Bur- working in Burgundy, a year working in Loire, and a year working in Bordeaux. And uh, after the year in Bordeaux, he was getting ready to go. And the uh, Bordeaux broker he was working for said, I want to open up a uh, winemaking place in Languedoc. So 
you don't have to leave your job. You can still work. Just keep working for me, but become my winemaker down there. And that was perfect. Jeff, between the Loire and Bordeaux, became convinced that uh, he thought Cabernet Franc would do better in the cooler parts of Languedoc than either Cab Sauve or Merlot. And nobody was growing any. And so he uh, put his money where his mouth is. He visited some growers who were growing Cab Sauve or Merlot and said, plant Cab Franc. They said, there's no market for it. And Jeff said, you plant it, I'll buy the grapes. Draw up a contract. Nice. <laughs> and he makes a wine called Puy de Val that uh, tends to be about two-thirds Cab Franc balance, Syrah, and a little bit of Merlot. And it's become a big, big success. We sell a couple of thousand cases a year here, but it's all over Europe. It's kind of like a really cool steakhouse wine that's really mainstream and main, really different at the same time. Hmm. It's such an unusual blend, but the flavor profile. Jeff is a winemaker, uh, walks the line between new world fruit and old world funk better than anybody I've met, which is why I love doing business with him. Hmm, that's cool. I need to try. I I've never seen the Puy de Val. I've seen the uh, Le Deron. Le Deron? Yeah. That's his biggest seller. And it's, you know, I, when he started the project, I'm going to say about 10, 12 years ago, he made probably two or 3,000 cases. I bought probably 1,000 cases and uh, it got really good press. And uh, Jeff isn't shy, if you've seen the label, about putting his name in it. It says later on, and then letters yeah. about, you know, three inches high by Jeff Carell. <laughs> but he got a lot of good press. The thing took off. Uh, later on, the name, it's a French slang term. More, more Parisian, actually. More actually marked Parisian than French. It's a very local argo. And means the old folks, but with the implication that uh, the old folks are getting a little feeble and need some help. <laughs> so it's Grenache, Carignan, those are the old folks, and Syrah's the young whippersnapper employed to give him a hand. Oh, cool. And uh, I'd say his production of that wine now is up well over 50,000 cases a year. Wow. I'm selling over 10,000 a year. Wow. And it's just, good. it's an absolute crowd pleaser. And about a year ago, I was in uh, France. I had some customers, a, little, a small customer trip. We we're spending the last day or two in Paris. Jeff still spends a lot of time in Paris. His fam much of his family is still there. Not a lot of time in the sense that he lives there, but he visits all the time and he has a lot of business there. And um, we were at a hotel in Montmartre and we walked up to the uh, uh, cathedral at the top of the hill. We had, you know, morning off, and then uh, we went into a little tourist trap restaurant right next to the cathedral for lunch, and there they have later on, and I'm trying to tell the guy what wine I want, and finally says, oh, that stuff from Langdoc, that's not bad. I said, yeah, <laughs> bring us a bottle of that stuff. That stuff from Langdoc. That's cool. Oh, it's, so it's uh, Steve Carell. That's the actor. Oh, right, right. I'm, I was thinking of Jim Carrey. Sorry, like I say, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a uh, movie guy. Well, I'm obviously... Um, Jeff, Jeff is a tireless experimenter. He probably makes 40 different wines a year. Every year he'll stop one or two and try one, two, or three new ones. Uh, and he recently invested in a vineyard himself as a partner with another guy 
Sebastian Kalduk, and he's in Roussillon also, and about as high up as you can get. So do you see Roussillon catching on more than it has? I mean, it's always... It's, well, it's still a slog in this country. You cannot go into a wine shop anywhere in Western Europe and see Languedoc and Roussillon has its own section in any good wine shop anywhere. France, Germany, Belgium, Swedish state stores, England, Scotland. Roussillon is a separate section from Languedoc. And no, I keep waiting for it to happen here. I really want it to happen. I really think it should happen. And it will, but when? I'm tired of guessing when, because it should have happened by now. But it's just the variety of different wines that are available from this part of the world is just incredible. I mean, there's probably no, almost as much diversity here as there is in the rest of Rhone and Languedoc combined. Hmm. Wow. I mean, Languedoc in general, you know, in the U.S., I mean, it just, it's still kind of languishes. I mean, it's, you know, it has its moment for, a, you know, a moment, and then people kind of don't know what it is, and it kind of disappears again, and Absolutely. I, I remember 1998 was a great vintage there. And there was a, um, and the wine at Parker and the wine advocate said, breakout vintage. And the wine spectator said, breakthrough vintage. Five years later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's all right. You know, I, I will sell, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to make estimates because nobody knows what the market is like under, unique circumstances, but yeah, I'm selling 25, 30,000 cases a year of wine from Languedoc and Roussillon and for a business to my size, I say it's, it's, um, 40%, probably about 40% of my case volume and, uh, 30% of my dollar volume. The wines still represent great value. I mean, they really do. That's, that's the thing is you you got Chateauneuf-du-Pape, you got Priorat, and then for half the price, you've got very comparable wines. In fact, it often tastes as if they're a blend of Chateauneuf de Pop and Priorat, and they're from Roussillon. I mentioned that I represent a garage winery in the village of Vangro, which is literally two miles from the village of Tordevel, and this is where my cooperative is uh, based. And this goes back to, I'm trying to remember what vintage it was. Probably the 04 vintage. This is, yeah, this is when I was first buying my own vineyard. And the um, broker who uh, was showing me the vineyards owned a little cafe and wine shop in the village of Mori. And uh, he knew everybody and everything. So I walked in and I said, hey, I had a couple of my employees with me, a couple of my salespeople with me. I said, all right, you've got this huge shelf full of different Roussillon wines. You know who sells abroad and who doesn't. I want one bottle each from 12 different growers that are not sold in the United States. Best ones you think you got. So he points it out. We take the 12 bottles and one afternoon we sit down and we taste through them. And one wine just absolutely stands out. It's just, it's there. It's the, it's it. And it's called the main deal Edra. And I called them up. Are you selling in the U.S.? No. Would you like to? Yes. Can I come by? I came by and tasted. And they had very little wine to sell at the time. It's still a garage, but it was uh, 
a much smaller, the garage hadn't changed. The garage is full now. The garage was only half full of wine when <laughs> I was there. And um, I commit to buy what they're able to sell me, which was something like 46 packs of one wine and 26 packs of another. And I get home and a week later, there's an article in Decanter magazine and it's a um, taste off between 20 wines, I don't know, 30 wines each from Roussillon and Priorat. And five of the top 10 were from Roussillon and they averaged only half the price of the Priorat wines because Priorat, this is just when Priorat was getting its big hype and push. And, but of the uh, 10 top wines, five were from Roussillon, but the top five, four from Priorat, the winery I had visited, Domaine de Ledra, finished number two. It was the only Roussillon in the top five. Wow. And I called the guys and they had seen it. And I said, well, what about my order? And they said, oh, yeah, you bought it before the article came out. <laughs> we, could, we've, we don't have a drop of wine in this place to sell. And we've sold half of next year's production. But you bought it before anybody had heard of it. So you get yours. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. Good timing on that, you know, on that one. Yeah. And uh, the value is still there. And there's been a lot of a lot of young people who want to start in the wine business and have some money, but not a lot of money. Yeah. You know, if you could still buy, you could still buy decent acreage in the ten to fifteen thousand dollars an acre range of high quality, healthy, productive vineyards from ten to forty years of age, or ten to eighty years of age. Hmm. Um, and the, where else in France is there? I don't know of any place else in France where you can you can take five hundred thousand dollars and set yourself up with you know a vineyard that will support your family for generations. Yeah, no kidding. And that's five hundred thousand, and you don't need to invest another penny. Sure doesn't happen here. No, <laughs> no. not even close. And the fact is that today. In the United States, Roussillon means nothing. But if you're in Northern or Western Europe, you're buying into something that has a reputation, that exists, is very solid, is growing, and that wine geeks, every wine geek in Europe knows what Roussillon is, where it is, and what it's capable of. Well, hopefully that'll uh, happen here someday. But if it doesn't, it's nice to have a card up your sleeve. As far yeah. as um, I'm very happy with having bought what I bought. I'd always, I really wanted, you know, my kind of long, mid, my midterm goal remains to get it up to 40 acres. So when I, my kids aren't going to want it. So eventually it'll be sold and I want to advertise it as 40 acres and a mule. And the mules <laughs> are easy to find, but I need to find another 12 acres. And Serge has told me that, you know, if I get to 40 acres, He'll still take care of it, but at that point, I'm really pushing, you know, his limits in terms of what he can tend to as it should be tended to. Mm -hmm. And that's important to Serge. And, you know, I, there was a parcel that came up that wasn't too far away, and Serge said, Dan, you know, it's, it'll be relatively productive. You'll get more than two tons and more than 30 hectoliters per hectare, two tons an acre. The grapes will be okay, but you're trying to make fine wine. And 
it's marginal for that and it ain't going to be an easy parcel for me to work. So if you buy it, I'll take care of it. But I would prefer that we wait and see if something else comes up. And uh, that was about three years ago. And then about a year later, it was a smaller parcel. Uh, it was uh, about an acre and a half, a little over an acre of old vine carignan. And he said, this one ain't going to be easy to work, but it's going to be part of your top wine. So let's get it. Wow. And he's the, he's the most important person there. Only important person. The only important person there. Exactly. He's got two daughters. Neither of them is interested, but he has a nephew who is going to take over. Not that I'm going to have to worry about that. I was there two years ago. I was picking some grapes. Serge's father was there. He was 82. And we were working the same row, and we fell into a very natural rhythm. I'd pick a vine. Then I'd w- skip three and pick another vine. While I was picking one, he'd pick three. <laughs> of course, he was 82, and he'd been doing it for 75 years. Yeah, that's true. So you walk in and say, give me a dozen of the best you got. Sounds like a good strategy. Living in the Languedoc. Well, someday, hopefully, he'll get us a few extra acres and that donkey that goes along with it. wonder how much he'd sell it to me for. Anyway, be sure to look for the next couple installments of the conversation I had with Dan coming up soon. And if you'd like to learn more about GrapeX and what we do and who we are, Head on over to grapex.com and check us out. Talk to you soon.